Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Suto Phil. Envío al área, el remate. Ahí está el primer tanto del partido. No lo celebra, por supuesto. Aaron Ramsey, 0 a 1 para el Arsenal. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always with James from Gunner Blog. And we're back to normal in terms of time zones. Uh, are you jet lagged? I am severely jet lagged, yeah, but I can't complain. I've been on a holiday. Yeah, you can't complain. I mean, I will. Don't. <laughs> Given the opportunity, I will. But we're back. We're back in London. Well, I am, at any rate. Very exciting. I just popped out to get a coffee, and as I came back into the flat, the lorry was waiting outside. It's like they knew. He's there, is he? He was there, poised, but he doesn't seem to be moving at the moment. He's waiting for his moment. Wow. Well, look, I mean, he he, he is the most famous lorry in London at this point. He is, certainly. And mm. probably the most eloquent contributor to this podcast. Yeah. Sh- shall we just talk about the lorry for about 40 minutes? I was hoping we could spin it out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than discuss the football in any way, <laughs> we can avoid that. That would be... That would be pleasurable, I think. <laughs> it would be ideal. It would be ideal. What about those Grammys, eh? Oh, and the BAFTAs as well. We had the BAFTAs last night. Yeah. Uh, what else? I don't know. Kanye. When will he stop doing when the things? When will he learn? <laughs> Bloody Kanye. When will he just stop doing the things that he does? <sighs> What's he like? I don't know. I He's don't a character know. for sure. Okay. We got, I, 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 have, I mean, I'm out of touch with current affairs, to be honest with you, so we're going to run dry. Yeah. We're going to have to face facts. And get on with, with discussion of Saturday. And, mm. um, hmm. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't very nice, was it? No. I suppose there were high hopes, high expectations going into this one. People thought, you know, we've been in good form. We, we just did what we did against Manchester City. And now we're going to go to Tottenham and we're going to do something similar. And uh, I think we tried to do something similar, but obviously did something completely different. Yeah. Well, well, we lost. That was the the main difference. That, that is a, the subtle, subtle difference. All right. <laughs> um, do you think we consciously? Do you think we were sort of trying to to repeat the trick, as it were? Do you think we set up to to basically do exactly the same thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I, I've seen people talk about the approach and saying, "Look, Tottenham are no Manchester City. We shouldn't give them the impetus or the momentum by by playing in that way." But I think. Regardless of the fact Tottenham are not as good a team as, as Manchester City or Chelsea or somebody like that, the, the intensity of a North London derby suggests that you're probably better off, um, you know, uh, being a little bit cautious, especially as we're a team that isn't long into uh, an un- unbeaten run and a, a run of games where we've been defending well after a period where we defended like clowns. 
for a long time, you know? So I, I didn't really see any issue with the the approach itself, but the execution of it, I think that was the problem. So go on then, where, where do you think... Well, I suppose what was the difference? Where did we go wrong? Couldn't keep time? the ball. We couldn't keep the ball when we got it, particularly in midfield. And I think the difference between Manchester City and, and what happened on Saturday was that when we got the ball, that we were we were cutting off, uh, particularly in the first half, I think, um, lots of interceptions. We were winning the ball reasonably well. Mm. But when we got the ball in midfield, we couldn't work it through the Tottenham line. So at Manchester City, we were able not only to relieve the pressure that was that was on us by, by keeping the ball, but also we were able with uh, the likes of Cazorla, you remember how brilliant he was that day, skipping past players and getting getting around tackles and, and creating opportunities for us to go forward and to create danger. So we never managed to do that. So not only were we under pressure pretty much all the time, we didn't put them on under any sustained pressure or we didn't keep the ball for two minutes or three minutes just to take some of the 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 pressure off ourselves and I think that was that was the main problem I think it was as much down to to us as Tottenham pressing us in midfield yeah I mean I think they were better than City were on that day um I don't like giving them credit but I think I think it's it's necessary in this case I think they actually well now steady on steady on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I think you can say that they play better than Manchester City did, but there's no need to give them credit. Fair, fair point. Fair can we, point. we can do that. Okay, well, let's try and tread that line carefully. Yeah. But, uh, no, I think it's inevitably we always look at our own performance. You know, as as fans, we always look at what our team's done wrong, but I think sometimes it comes down to what the other team does right, and they did press us very well. It reminded me a little bit of the Liverpool game mm. not too long ago, yeah. where we sort of set up in a similar way but just couldn't, couldn't quite live with them and it it felt like that too it's weird we just couldn't keep the ball either you know and I think that comes partly down to pressure but it's also maybe it's cumulative as the game wears on you know we never ever established any kind of rhythm yeah I think I think that's fair enough and I think the longer it goes on where you're struggling or you're on the back foot the more difficult it becomes to change that you know the momentum of the game is such that it becomes increasingly difficult to to break yourself out of the the, the the in-game rut that you find yourselves in, if that makes sense. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the ability to change things, particularly in midfield, wasn't there, you know. Um, Rosicki for Cazorla, you could see why that happened because Santi was very quiet. I think he wanted the more energetic, physical Ramsey still on the pitch, even though he was playing very poorly, but what he perhaps trying to do with, with Rosicki, and we know he's the type of player who can who can burst past players and create a bit of space and maybe create some, some attacking moments. Um, but it just didn't quite work out the way that he wanted. I think it was just gone beyond the point where we could really change the the way the game was going. Yeah, and I think it's easily overlooked because we've got so many options in those wide attacking areas but I, I do think that Alexis and Oxlade Chamberlain were missed I think that they because, just because of their style of play they offer you such a, a constant outlet on the break and they're like Cazola they're people who can take the ball in a situation mm. under pressure and, and keep possession and, and just give you a bit of respite and you know Giroud didn't have his best game I felt that he was I don't know. I mean, he just couldn't really establish himself at the top of the team. And it just felt like we never really had an outlet in this match. Yeah. Um, well, what did you make of the selection of Danny that's... Welbeck? What's Can what? Can you hear that's music? No. I can't hear any music. Oh, Are okay, you having a stroke? 
um, I had News Now on in the background and a, an advert started playing, but it was it was really perfect because I was talking about Oxlade Chamberlain and Alexis and all the the faults in our team at performance on Saturday, and this sad piano music started <laughs> like like Inaudi or something just came on in the background, and it and I was like, oh, you've done something really clever, but turns out it was just complete fluke. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, um, what were you going to ask me? I was going to ask you about Danny Welbeck starting ahead of Theo Walcott. Yeah, at the time, I thought it was actually quite a smart move. Assuming that he was ready, you know, assuming that he was fully fit, I could completely see the logic there. In fact, before the game, I was thinking, well, if you compare what defensively what Oxlade-Chamberlain and Alexis give you with what Ozil and Walcott give you, there's a big deficit there. And mm. it, it doesn't surprise me that Arsene looked to do something about that. I didn't think Welbeck had a great game. I think he, he actually spoke afterwards and said he found it quite quite tough to come back into a game of that frenetic pace despite making a very good contribution on the goal Uh, but I thought in theory it made sense what about you Mm, I could see why he left Walcott out but perhaps I would have gone with Rosicki ahead of ahead of Welbeck like you say coming back from injury straight into that uh, into that game and I don't think he's ever really played from the right before has he he's often been deployed on the left for us mm-hmm. and for Manchester United I don't remember him playing too often on the right hand side but you know w- weirdly he was involved a lot you know he got he got into the game perhaps as much as any Arsenal player did in the sense that he he played a big part in the goal he had a great effort in the second half uh, he had that ongoing thing with with uh, Danny Rose and you know I I, I don't think it was lack of effort or anything like that. I just think he was a, a little bit rusty, to be honest. Um, when Walcott came on, yeah, um, was the lack of defensive awareness for the goal an illustration of why he wasn't picked in the first place? Possibly. It's difficult because, you know, you can say what, leave Welbeck on, but I don't think Welbeck was ever going to complete 90 minutes, uh, given that it was his first game back. So somebody had to come on. I mean, I've watched it a few times and it does seem like a little lack of concentration, doesn't it, to allow Bentaleb to get that ball in. It's just Mm. sort of, it's too easy really, isn't it? It is rather too easy, you know, and I think um, you can say, well, look, he was back there and he was defending and he was helping out, but, you know, there's also knowing how to defend and where you're supposed to be when you're in that position. You know that 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 he was uh, he was overloading things. He wasn't necessarily um, needed in that particular area at that moment in time, and he should have pushed out a bit quicker. The bigger issue I have is the the miscontrol from the Rosicki pass. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? I, the, I don't know if everyone remembers this chance. You probably do because your heart was in your mouth like me. But it's a brilliant pass from Rosicki and amazing. Funnily enough, I was watching it online this moment the other day and it was loading up. It was like a GIF or something and it was loading up pretty slowly because of my dodgy Wi-Fi connection. And it actually paused at the exact moment where Walcott receives the pass and it looks like he's completely clear on goal. Mm. And I was like, how does this possibly go wrong from this moment? And then, of course, he produces a horrendous first touch which sends him pretty much exactly in the wrong direction. Yeah. I I mean... Is that not the kind of thing Arsene Wenger was talking about um, last week when he was saying, look, he's 25 now, uh, this is a, defi- a decisive time in his career, uh, and he was talking about the quality of his receptions and the positions that he gets in to receive the ball, and you have to say, look, the movement to be in that position uh, is fantastic. The pass from Radziski is perfect, perfect. Mm-hmm. 
but the quality of his first touch, as it has been for a long time in his career, is so hit and miss. Like, you look at the, the goal he scored against Aston Villa. The first touch for a pass that wasn't meant for him was absolutely sublime. Mm-hmm. And he took it inside and scored. But at this big, big moment, yeah, I think he's found wanting again. Yeah, he was a little bit, which was a, sh- a shame. I mean, was, it was that to, a 2-1? Yeah, that? that was a 2-1. I'm not suggesting the, the, the loss or anything like that was um, Theo Walcott's fault. But I'm just saying that <laughs> when you're a top-level player in a game like this, with that kind of opportunity, you need to do better. Yeah, it was a big chance, and I'm sure he'll have been uh, he'll have been disappointed with that. Mm. The goalkeeper, David mm. Ospina. What's your feeling on him after this game? I I know we've had discussions, and I, I'm still I'm not convinced either way. To be perfectly honest, uh, I thought he made some very good saves, and I I saw your after the whistle video. Um, mm. Were you in a dressing gown in that? No, although I realise it really looks like I was. It, it was does. Just a, a hoodie. But if you want to believe it's a dressing gown, if that you know, if that helps you in any way, that's fine. Well, I'm sure it would, uh, would help increase your viewing figures if people thought you were doing these videos in your in your nightwear or well, your, your early morning wear. I do the podcast naked, as we all know. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, that was purely a, a hooded. Top. Okay, but anyway, you were talking about soft hands and hard hands and and things like that, and it was something that they spoke about on on the uh, on the television uh, during the game. BT Sport were going on about it, so I'm loath to even consider that they might have any idea what they're talking about because they employ Michael Owen, yeah. uh, you know. But the, but some of the saves certainly were put into dangerous areas, but I don't know how much he could really do about that, to be perfectly honest. It was one of them, I think, where he made the double save uh, when Kane was given offside in the end, and it was a a brilliant double save, but he got down so uh, quickly for the first shot. I mean, it just cannoned off him. I don't know that you can really ask for for an awful lot more, but for me, there were elements of his performance that felt just a little bit flappy. That's the only way I can describe it. I mean, there was the incident in the first half, wasn't there, where he came charging out and sort of didn't really get anywhere. I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was a sort of, uh, a sort of one of those Fabianski-esque dashes. I, I really don't know with a spinner, to be honest. I can't, I can't call it. I, d- I think I would need to see more to be convinced either way. I actually thought he had his best game for us against Aston Villa. I thought he was really commanding in that match, but... Uh, yeah, as you say, I was less impressed against Spurs. I had a bit of backlash from that, actually. A few people saying, what do you mean? He kept us in the game. And I think he did make saves. I think he did make some good saves. I just, I was concerned at how frequently the ball was coming back into dangerous areas. Uh, I take what you say about to what extent can he control that. But I think mm. great goalkeepers are very good at that. David Seaman was excellent. I always remember any shot that seemed to be you know, a, a height where it has to be palmed away. He had a real skill for sort of just knocking it down, letting it bounce and catching it. So keeping it in close to him or making sure he turned things over the bar rather than back out towards goal. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it was a bit, it was the first time I think he's come under sustained pressure in an Arsenal shirt. And it was a, you know, his first North London derby. It's a big occasion mm. for him. I don't think, I don't think he deserves to be dropped necessarily. I just think that, there were some signs there that, you know, he's got areas in which he needs to improve. And I still think in my gut that Wojciech Szczesny is the, the superior goalkeeper. Mm. Mm. But I'm not sure But I'm not sure that that will mean he gets a reprieve anytime soon because I feel like 
he's been left out of the side for long enough that there's there's something more to it, you know, whether it be a punishment for his actions in the dressing room or just that Arsene feels, <clears throat> sorry, that he needs this kind of wake-up call. But I don't think he'll be he'll be back for the Leicester game. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I mean, I think the the, the position is Ospina's to lose. Yeah. And I don't think he did anything necessarily on, on Saturday that would, would uh, mean that comes about. No. But I don't know. It just feels a little bit unconvincing the options feel unconvincing a little bit to me uh, at this moment in time so whether uh, whether Chesney comes back into the side renewed and reinvigorated after being dropped and is determined to keep his place I don't quite know but I don't know I'm a little bit a uh, little bit in the dark about you know where we are and I do think perhaps some of the um the criticism of Chesney has been overblown simply because that's the way things go, you know. Um, that also, isn't there a sort of novelty factor to a spinner? Yeah, yeah, there's a yeah, new, there's a new guy, yeah. Yeah, and inevitably that generates some positivity. Mm. Um, and he's got a good chant as well. You mm. know, people, like, people like that. No, but in seriousness, he's, he's done well. He's kept a lot of clean sheets. I thought there were some dodgy moments against Spurs, but not enough to see him removed. Yeah, all right. Anything else you want to touch on from that particular game? I mean, only that... Only that, um, I suppose, when you play in that way, just it, it makes me reflect on how. I mean, I think we talk about this quite a lot, but how fine the margins are. It mm. seems to me like the gap in perception between a kind of brave rearguard action and being on the back foot for ninety minutes is very small. You know, it's it's a couple of not even huge errors. You know, we're talking about Aaron Ramsey possibly losing his man for a second or Theo Walcott possibly not closing down someone quite quick enough. Lauren Koscielny doing better for the header. Yeah, potentially. But I feel like the... I don't know. When you when you set out to not dominate a game, mm. when you set out to play in that kind of more cautious way, which is something we've all wanted to see, I think you have to accept that there's... Just because of the the narrowness of the margins, it, there is a, a huge element of risk and we fell foul of that mm. over the weekend. All right, very quickly then, do you see any um, any changes for tomorrow night's game against Leicester? I know Alexis is back in the squad, the manager said, uh, no Oxlade-Chamberlain still, but to me it, it, it seems like the kind of game, and I said this in the blog today, where we could give a debut to Gabrielle. Uh, at centre half um, and possibly look at making a change or two um, up top also, maybe Welbeck for Giroud, maybe Walcott could come back into the side, you could get Rosicki into midfield. Um, how, do you, how do you see what the manager's going to do for this one? I think it's a tough one to call because we've got the FA Cup at the weekend, haven't we, which, which potentially is another opportunity to rotate the team. I wonder if he might stick with the core of the side at least just because we desperately need three points to bounce back and get back on the you know winning trail. And also because he's got that FA Cup game. So if he does want to give someone like Koscielny a rest, he might consider that mm. against championship opposition a more appropriate time to do it. I don't think he'll change the centre-backs. The centre-forward one, maybe. I did, did think that Giroud... Well, he took a battering, didn't he? I mean, he was, there was a terrible tackle on him from Danny Rose. Yeah. And uh, it might not be the... It might be a smart move, really, to, to let him sit, sit one out. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, just before we go to the uh, to the break? Is it um, churlish of us to to mention referee Martin Atkinson? I don't think so. We're not blaming was... him or suggesting that the defeat was in any way down to him, but some of the decisions 
I have to yeah. say, were were ridiculous. Particularly the Welbeck uh, incident with, with Rose. Rose just jumped in the air. I thought Rose was extremely lucky not to get booked for kicking the ball at Welbeck at the halftime break. Mm-hmm. How the linesman didn't see the foul on, on Giroud for a second yellow is absolutely beyond me. And I thought that they were allowed to get away with more than we were. Certainly Ryan Mason. and Is that his name, Ryan? I don't know. Ryan, Brian, something like that. Trevor. Yeah. But I thought uh, he was. I thought he was led away with plenty in the first half, and there was one foul in particular that he got. The referee came over and gave him a talking to, and it was one of those. Well, next time you make a foul, I think it was on Ozil, which was as big a yellow card as you'll ever see. But the minute Monreal just vaguely uh, obstructed Walker, yellow cards out. It's um, yeah. annoying. Well, I thought Arsene Wenger put it best when he said, "You know, we were not very good today, and the referee was at our level." Um, I don't think he was responsible for the result by any means, but there were some very odd decisions. And while generally I, you know, I, I, I don't want to see loads of bookings. I like when these derby encounters are physical and yeah. that flow to the game. But he did miss some obvious ones, and Danny Rose particularly was very, very lucky to stay on the pitch. Mm. He would have enjoyed his many cakes on on Saturday evening. Well, that's it. Yeah, he could have got into the buffet early. He would yeah. probably gutted to stay on. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. We're back with some of your questions in part two right after this. Right, welcome back to the Cast Extra. We're going to have a look at some of your questions now. A bit less than last week. It seems no one really wants to talk about us losing to Spurs, which is... That's bizarre. Yeah, strange, isn't Imagine it? the enthusiasm for football is diminished by losing to those cons. I know. <laughs> um, oh, quite people, eh? Well, well, what can you do? So let's have this one. It's from Borna Rang, which is a spectacular name. Um, and they ask, for a team that prides itself on technical ability, what the fuck <laughs> is up with random games where we can't string three passes together in a row? That is a really brilliant question. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you're not going to know the answer? <laughs> It means that I'm I'm struggling to 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 think of an answer to be honest because I don't know it's it's odd because yeah technically the players are there the abilities there but I think sometimes um, like we were talking about earlier about momentum sometimes the game just gets so far away from you that it becomes almost impossible to to claw it back you know um, that when you do get the ball having been under pressure for so long your first thought is just to get it far away rather than keep it, you know? And there's a mm-hmm. there's an element of bravery and, and skill needed uh, to try and maintain possession. And if you look at what we did against Manchester City, going back to that game, uh, a lot of that was keeping the ball in uh, positions deep in our own half yeah, and moving the ball um, quite quickly. And I think perhaps the, the fear was a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If we, if we did that and didn't keep the ball, we were going to leave ourselves exposed. So I think, you know, it's fine margins again, but... I don't think it's um, I don't think it's any lack of technical ability. It's just that sometimes the, the, the game becomes really really difficult, and maybe that's what you've got to you've got to learn to cope with, and and maybe impose yourselves on the game a little bit more. Maybe you could be a bit more physical. I don't quite know how to how to turn it around, but I think that's why it happens. As for the solution, velociraptors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's always a good one. Yeah. Do you do you think that as a team uh we're particularly susceptible to a kind of high intensity pressing game? I, I'm thinking of of Dortmund earlier this season, Liverpool and, and then Spurs at the weekend. Do you think that's a particular area of weakness for us? I think it's probably a, an area of weakness for every team if they're yeah. if they're if the opposition get that right, then it becomes extremely difficult for any team to cope with it. Um not just us. So I think we have been exposed by that system a couple of times. But I think what's been interesting perhaps is that on those occasions, the opposition have been helped by us playing really, really badly. The question is how much of us playing badly is down to what the opposition were doing and just uh, yeah, rather than yeah. yeah, rather than how much we were just crap on the day. And I think against Dortmund, it was a really poor team performance. Against Liverpool, a really poor team performance. Against Tottenham, a really poor team performance. Um, so maybe there's some evidence there that that pressing game uh, really knocks us out of our stride. But it could also be tallied with us just having a bad day on those days because it's not an easy thing to do either. If it was as simple as just pressing in midfield then every team would do it to us and we'd be rubbish in every game. So it's not it's not quite that, you know? Well, I think the thing about pressing is you've got to do it well, haven't you? If you if you get it wrong... Yeah, you're exposed. You're massively exposed. And normally, I guess, that's what happens with Arsenal is that a team might try and press us, but we've got... We're adept enough to manoeuvre the ball out of those positions and, mm. you know, exploit exploit the gaps. When, I just think on those three occasions, the opposition that we faced got it got it pretty spot on and when that happens I think you're right I don't know too many teams who could live with it you know maybe the sort of Guardiola Barcelona sides in their peak probably could have squeezed out of those gaps but us playing like we did on Saturday no chance yeah yeah it's a difficult one isn't it it is a really tricky one and you know you, you think of the personnel was there anyone we were missing I, I, I don't know I think maybe someone like Mikel Arteta would have helped us have a bit more continuity in midfield in terms of possession of the ball. But if you look at the way he struggled in Dortmund, I'm not, I'm not sure he'd be the, the great solution. Mm, I think, you know, I think the absence of Alexis was, yeah. was notable too, because um, he plays with a kind of intensity that helps counter that, you know, and is always available for the ball. And he is um, a player who will take the risks sometimes in the wrong areas and sometimes they lose the ball but he is he's got the ability and the confidence to try things that will help you um get past the pressing lines if you know what i mean so i think he was he was a bit of a miss yeah i would agree with that all right here's a question from this is from clive at clive pafc and he says now that we have a dm 
Coquelin, and a centre-half, Gabriel. Is the main gap in the squad a number eight, i.e. an alternative to Aaron Ramsey? And there were a lot of questions this week about Aaron Ramsey, about, uh, you know, why, why, why did he play like that? And uh, is this the real Aaron Ramsey? It was last season just a flash in the pan, etc., etc. So um, go, go Ramsey crazy. Well, I had questions about Aaron Ramsey here as well. There were, as you say, the majority of the questions I think were about him and his form. Mm. W- will the real Aaron Ramsey please stand up, etc.? I uh, is that the major gap in the squad? Maybe. I mean, sometimes I feel like the best player we have in that position, even though it's not his natural position, in some ways is Thomas Vizitsky on form. You know, as a as a central midfielder, I know that he wouldn't like to be that deep, but he can tackle and he's got great, you know, uh, mm. consistency in his passing, dynamism in his game. But I don't think he's the, the long-term solution. I don't think anyone would suggest that. I, I'm troubled by Ramsey's form. I thought his, I mean, his passing numbers must can't have been great, can they? At one no, point? I don't know what they are. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have an iPhone, so I can't get that um, Stats Zone app. Oh, are you still struggling with the iPhone? No, 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 no. I just don't have one. Um, oh, I see, uh, but you did drop your phone in something. Yeah, yeah. That recently? wasn't that wasn't a, an iPhone though. It wasn't an Apple no, product. No, it wasn't. And you can't get that Stats Zone app. So come on, four four two and Opta, get the Stats Zone on Android, please. So uh, that would tell you what Ramsey's passing numbers were like. But well, I think we know it was about 4% or something, don't we? I think we can infer. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, uh, you know, if you're looking at it objectively over the course of his career and you look at what happened last season, you have to say it's it's you couldn't say with any confidence, I couldn't say with any confidence, he'll reach that level again. I think that he may do it. But it's very difficult to know if that's the most purple of purple patches mm. or the real Aaron Ramsey, as it were. Mm. It's, it's, we're in a period now, which is the sort of the period post that where he's not living up to that level. And it, I think it's sort of what happens in the next 12 to 18 months that is going to be defining. Uh, one thing I would say is he has had a lot of injuries this season and he is still relatively early on in his comeback. And I do think that it may take time for some of the, the the errors in his game to be ironed out. It's certainly been the case for him in the past. I'm thinking further back now. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? It's a difficult one. It is a difficult one. I think he's a really good player. And I do think there is an element of purple patch to what happened last season that when you know a midfielder gets, what did he get, 16, 18 goals? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. Um, you know... I, I think it's inevitable that he was riding the crest of a wave of form and confidence and, and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, but I think w- it wasn't as if just last season was when he was effective. I think we saw the, the second half of the previous season where he slotted in alongside Arteta and just concentrated on doing the very simple things with his game, that he was a really effective player also. And I think what you need if you've got uh, players like Ozil, if you've got players like Kazorla, Rosicki, uh, Alexis, you do need a central midfield player who can be a bit more of an all-rounder. And I think Ramsey's uh, ability on the ball perhaps isn't as 
greatest strength, but he's such a hard worker, has a great engine, likes to tackle and likes to, to win the ball back. And I don't think we've seen that enough from him this season. So, you know, I think there's there's a, a, a bit of both in that in that sense, that we're not seeing um, the real Aaron Ramsey at the moment, but maybe the Aaron Ramsey that everyone wants to see isn't quite the real Aaron Ramsey either, if, the, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he's playing, he seems to be playing a little deeper at present than we saw him for the majority of last year. Do you, mm. do you think that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, and I think that's where he should be playing. I think that's his more effective position. Yeah. Um, I, I think as well, there was a, a quote from from him before the Spurs game and it just didn't quite sit right with me and he was talking about now that Coquelin is here and playing so well as a defensive midfielder I can get forward whenever I want yeah no 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 and it's like (laughs) hang on just just relax a little bit there get forward when it's right for you to get forward that's what you should be doing not whenever you want, because, you know, that just suggests uh, uh, a carefree, I'll, you know, I'll swan about the place kind of attitude. I don't think he really meant it like that. And I think he's, you know, a hard worker and he tries hard and he did try hard against Tottenham. But the the more he tried, the worse he got. Um, but just maybe a lack of awareness of what his role in the team should be. He's certainly capable of getting us goals, but that shouldn't be his primary focus. No. I think that if Aaron Ramsey was, you know, a 10 out of 10 player last year and whatever he is this season, I don't know, a 5 out of 10 player, I mm. think I, I think in the long term he can be a very solid 8, eight, eight 8.5 out of 10 guy for you. And I think in that position, alongside the holding midfielder, that's kind of what you need. You need someone who's reliable and mm. consistent. And that's what he's got to aim for. I think being the sort of spectacular goal-scoring midfielder, I'm not sure that will be his future. I, I think that if he can just settle down into... I mean, if he can use a guy like Arteta as a role model, I don't think he's ever going to have the same uh, poise on the ball as him. Mm. But, you know, in terms of delivering that kind of consistency of performance, that's really, I think, what he the step he needs to make yeah. to, to be helpful to this team. Is Jack Wilshire an alternative to, to Ramsey in that position? Because well, I think we've... we've no? Oh, I'm sorry, I said well. Oh, You okay. carry on, though. No, but I mean, I, I I think the manager tried unsuccessfully, really, to get Ramsey and Wilshire in the same team mm. earlier this season. I'm not sure that the two of them complement each other terribly well. I'm not saying they can't play together, but in the current system, you know, I, I'm not sure they, they really complement each other. So maybe Wilshire, when he gets back from Black Lung or whatever it is he's got... Uh, <laughs> You know, is he is he a guy who could play instead of Ramsey rather than with him? Well, tell you what, to to, to maintain the illusion that we're answering people's questions and not just having a casual chat, um, Guna Rafa asked, "Where do you see Wilshire's future, both in football and personal wise?" I don't know if he's sort of referring to his private life there. <laughs> um, I think I think we'll keep it on the football. Yes, um, let's. Do you? I don't want yes. to think about Jack's positions. No, exactly. So, I mean, I know you've just asked me a question, but just to fire it back at you, do you do you think that he could come back into the side in that role when he's fit again? Yeah, I think that's probably the role that, that suits him best. He's not a defensive midfielder for me, even though England have tried him there. He's not suited for that role 
mm. in my opinion. And I don't think that he's necessarily good enough yet to play further forward ahead of Cazorla or Ozil or maybe even Rosicki at this point. But what he can do is be combative in midfield. He's a good passer of the ball. He likes to get stuck in as well. He gives you plenty of energy and effort. And I think that that is, that is a fight between the two of them for that position. And I think Wilshire and Ramsey have both got a lot to prove. You know, the managers put a lot of faith in them, both. Uh, Ramsey rewarded that faith last season with a, an absolutely outstanding campaign, winning goal in the FA Cup final. I think people forget that very quickly um, with the frustration that they're feeling uh, with his performances at the moment. But Wilshire too. Again, a guy who's uh, been nursed through lots and lots of injuries, some of them not his fault, but that's um, that's the reality of the situation. Uh, we've had more nonsense, I guess, with him in, in the last little while. How harmful do you think that nonsense is? Is irrelevant. It's still there. Uh, and it's not the first time. And I think both of these guys need to, uh, to, uh, to, to step up a little bit, particularly Wilshire, I think, because he's a player of great potential, but that potential has been nowhere near realized uh, for various reasons. But at some point, you either have to say, okay, he's going to do it and let's get on with it, or he's, you know, we've got to do something else about the, the midfield in this team. Do you, I mean, I haven't spoken to you since the, the latest little Wilshire controversy. Do, do you care? Do you think it's of any relevance or significance? The only thing that bothered me really was that he was stupid enough to, to, uh, to be photographed in that mm. situation. That the lack of awareness, and maybe there's a, uh, uh, he was expecting photos among his friends to be private and not put up, you know, whatever. But don't put yourself in and, uh, even if it's a vaguely incriminating position, don't get yourself in that position. That nobody would know anything about it. He's out injured. He was out watching the Super Bowl with his friends and what have you. And he's got a shisha pipe for fuck knows what reason. I don't see the point, you know. But, yeah. you know, you leave yourself open to criticism and people suggesting that maybe you don't take your uh, career as seriously as you should. It's all well and good posting a video of you, you know, sprinting around on rubber bands the next day. Brilliant. Well done. Do that. But also don't do the thing that's damaging for you. So um, it's not the end of the world. And, and players smoke all the time. But if you get caught repeatedly doing something that is seen and is probably damaging to your health, then what way do you expect people to react? Hmm. I do think, yeah. It's like if he's banging in 20 goals a season, well, if he's playing man really of the match well. every week, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares what you do once you do it on the pitch. It's as simple as that. And that's the that, that, that goes right across football from a moral point of view, from uh, every point of view you want to look at. People will forgive a footballer most everything as long as they perform on the pitch. But when yeah. you're not doing it on the pitch, there's the problem. Well, no one, yeah, no one ever talks about Zidane you know, having the odd cigarette. Or getting sent off or loafing people all the time. Yeah, you know, I mean, anything. yeah, exactly. You know, you can get away with a lot if you're producing on the pitch every week, and when you're not, people will people will criticize. I mean, you know, Alexis can take whatever narcotics he wants, as far as I'm concerned, as long as he doesn't get caught doing it. Mm. He's, uh, you know, when you're performing, it's all fine. But, I mean, do you not think, say, Wilshire might come back in? Do you not think we've looked a lot better since he's been out, though? 
Is that coincidence? I don't know. I think it's probably coincidence to a certain extent because there are other factors involved too, aren't there? You know, there's a, a yeah, sort of consolidation of the team and uh, the keeper has changed and the, the central defence has been solid and, uh, you know, there's various other things. So I think it's um, a, a bit difficult to say just because one player is out. I always uh, are very dubious of those stats that when you see, like, well, when one player is in, they win X amount of games and when they when that player is out, they win Y and it's lower, you know, or... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's there's usually more to it than that, unless it's a very, very key position, like you could say with uh, Koscielny and Mertesacker. So when those two are together, chances are that we're going to be better simply because they're the best defensive partnership we've got. But in midfield, just being with or without Wilshire, I don't think it has that much impact. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree to an extent, but I I don't remember him playing particularly well prior to his injury. So... I think Man City at Man City at home he was excellent. Oh, yeah. He, he was really that. really excellent and the reason that sticks out in the mind so well is because it's the exception rather than the rule. Yeah. Yeah. And he was in a more advanced position as I recall that mm. day, but I'm not sure about that. But yeah, I think you're right in that it's a little bit like the goalkeeping situation. I'm not uh I'm not 100% convinced at present by either Ramsey or Wilshire. I think they both have questions to answer, but at least there's some semblance of competition. You know, hopefully we'll get the the best out of the two options uh, between now and the end of May. Mm. Mm. Okay. I don't. I don't know whose turn it is really. Uh, I don't know either. We've been going on and on um, and on. Ramsey fest. Have you yeah. got anything? Have I got anything? No, I don't really have anything because I think we've covered uh, most of the questions in the discussions that we had. Can I ask you a question? Yes, of course. What do you make of Harry Kane? Um, you know what I don't give a shit about is Harry Kane wearing an Arsenal shirt celebrating the Invincibles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, that, it's just like, who gives a fuck? You know, so what yeah. if he was a young Arsenal fan and now he's at Tottenham and changed his mind and, you know, is it whatever. Who cares? He's an interesting guy, I suppose, in the sense that he's come from nowhere and is having a brilliant season. But could he be... The next Aaron Ramsey. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, you, that's the thing. You you have to see players do it consistently. Consistency is the hardest thing in football. You know, to be to be able to do the same thing, the same things well over and over and over and over again is what separates really good players from the from the greatest players. And he's having a, a brilliant season and pretty much looks like he's going to score in every game. He scored against us. He scored against uh, Chelsea. He's got a load of goals, hasn't he? Twenty odd. More than twenty. Yeah. Right. So you know, good for him. But let's let's see what he does next year. Yeah, I'm very much of the same mind. I, I I do have this slight concern. I said in in my video that he's sort of good enough to improve Spurs, but I'm not quite sure he's good enough that we can rely on someone else to buy him. Mm. Um. So yeah, a bit of a worry. Yeah. I, you know, I think he's he's um he's gonna get built up now a bit isn't he and lauded and touted as the next big thing and you know that's sometimes difficult for a player to deal with too that when there's expectation it becomes more difficult to to produce although i did see somebody uh, tweet um after the game and somebody said well uh kane he's he's got england quality now someone said uh well i didn't think he played that badly (laughs) (laughs) as if england is the 
that's the the pinnacle of any footballer's career. Mm, it's more of a punishment, really. Mm. Well, listen, let's have this. This is from Hardwire Tag. He says, "Forget hangover kills. What's the best cure to get over defeat by the scum?" Realistically speaking, the best cure will be to score eight against Leicester tomorrow. Yeah, that would be the the ideal uh, cure from a from a footballing point of view. Um, the other way is to to get a rag of ether and just sort of trip out for a couple of weeks, sit in a room, smoke some cigarettes, eat some M and M's, hallucinate yeah. a bit, probably have an out of body experience. Could the imagine Jack yourself, diet. yeah, exactly. You know, you could imagine yourself inside the 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 body of a tiger, just going through the jungle, eating things, being all tigerish, then getting killed by poachers. Probably come back into yourself, relive that trauma on a day to day basis for the rest of your life. But it would still be better than uh, thinking about losing in a North London derby. <laughs> I think and I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying everyone has to do that. Yeah, or that you ever have done that. It's I'm just, not saying that I haven't done that either. No, it's just an idea mm-hmm. that may or may not have happened. Indeed. And could be happening right now. It could be. I mean, <laughs> no, there is no comment from what, the podcast. What, what's, your, what's your cure? Uh, I mean, the thing is, I can't get too happy about it. They, they, you know, they let them have their little glories, let them have their DVDs. You know, what's the? They're they're above us now. I think I saw West End Tone on Twitter said he, he better start minding the gap. <laughs> you know, I, I I'm I don't. It doesn't actually get my get too much because I I'm still very very confident that come come May, everything will be put right and we'll mm. be celebrating St Totteringham's Day. Yet again. Mm-hmm. I heard they're showing this game in the uh, Tottenham IMAX in 3D. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, I'm just getting word that they can't because it's been burned down. <laughs> well, again, I, I wouldn't be able to comment on that. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, you could probably see the smoke from where you are. Yeah, I probably could, actually. Well, it could be, like that, that could be the ether. Or Jack Wilshire. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, and on that note, I'm going off to um, play with my rag. Okay. A little more. And, okay, well, uh, I'm, I'm, look, I'm going to start looking forward to the 8-0 win over Leicester City. Indeed. And we can discuss that perhaps on uh, the Arsecast on Friday. And we'll be here to discuss FA Cup shenanigans on next week's Arsecast Extra. So until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.